0: So, I have something, uh, I've got two Bibles. So, you guys got double staying power tonight, right? (laughs) No, not really. Sometimes I just like reading from another translation, and I have to have two Bibles in case the media department's too slow, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm just like, okay, I got to find it. But um, tonight, I have something on my heart that I just want to share with you, and I'm excited about it because it's called Enlarging Your Heart. It's called enlarging your heart, increasing your capacity to receive. I'm not talking about a physical enlarged heart because that's not a good thing. But it is a good thing to have a spiritual enlarged heart. Amen? Amen. If, if you, uh, does anyone know what the word capacity means? Capacity means the maximum amount that something can contain. So when we walk into Home Depot and Lowe's, you're looking at the freezers and the fridges, and up in the freezers, it says 1.1 cubic feet or 2.1 or 3.5, and so that's maximum capacity of what that freezer can hold. And so what we want to reach in the kingdom of God and in our relationship with the Lord, we want to have maximum capacity capacity. And so we want to enlarge our hearts. Amen? And so I'm going to teach you tonight how to enlarge your hearts. We're going to be talking about generosity, but it's going to be in many, very, many different areas and facets of generosity. But that is a huge way to enlarge your heart. The first thing we're going to talk about in enlarging your heart is if you you don't enlarge, or I would say if you don't expand your heart or open it up to the Word of God... His ways, His word, right, and His way of doing things. His word, His will, and His ways, your heart will never expand. It will stay closed. It will not enlarge. And it will not have the capacity to receive from Him the things that you need for your life, the things that you need to receive from Him. So when we talk about enlarged hearts, let's go to um, 2 Corinthians 6. 11 through 13, and I'm going to read this in the message translation. I don't know whether Ocel has this or not, but um, it's on his paper. Dear Corinthians, ah, very, very lots of words. That's okay. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide-open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. What is he saying? He's saying open your heart. Open your heart to the love of God. Open your heart to the will of God. Open your heart to the ways of the Lord, and your hearts will expand. If your heart does not enlarge spiritually, it will never reach capacity. It will never reach the capacity of what you need to receive from God. One of the ways that you can enlarge your heart is let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Amen? In all wisdom, let the Word of God paint a picture for you. If you don't let the Word of God paint a picture for you, you won't have an enlarged heart. There's no, nowhere for it to go. Amen? And so if you, if you only come to church and listen once or twice a week, that's not enough for your capacity to grow, for that enlargement of your heart to take place. Amen? And so when you get in a hard time, when you get in trouble there will not be enough ice cream room in the freezer. Amen? Amen? And so when you need the ice cream, it won't be there because the freezer capacity is only at 0.05. Amen? So we, we have to first embrace His Word. We have to embrace His way. We have to embrace His will. And His Word is His will. So I love what Pastor said. You let the word of God paint the picture first on your heart. God said to Abraham, he painted a picture for him. He said, look at the stars. And then he said, look at the grains of sand on the seashore. Couldn't even begin to number them. He actually painted a picture. Those were God's words. And so Abraham, that's what he looked at. That's all. He didn't have a Bible. But he kept looking at the stars, and he kept looking at the grains of sand, and he let that picture increase his capacity to believe, amen, and to receive. You must have an enlarged heart, or you will never have the capacity to receive everything that God wants you to receive. And so if you'll read it again in the NSAB, the New American Standard, it says, Our mouth has spoken freely to you. Oh, Corinthians, our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now, in a like exchange, I speak as to children. Open wide your heart to us. What's he saying? He's saying, listen to the word that I'm giving you. Let your love open up like we've opened up our affections to you. Open up your affections to us. Basically, he's saying just do what the Word of God says. Amen? So Proverbs 4.22 says, Out of your heart spring the issues of life. Another translation says, Out of your heart determines the course of your life. So you must guard your heart. 4.22 says, or 3, Guard your heart, keep your heart. That word keep means guard with diligence. Keep it with all diligence for out of your heart, not your body, not your brain. Doctors will say it's all body and brain. You are not all body and brain. Okay? So you are spirit first. And it it is, they all work together. But when the body and the brain aren't doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, spirit man, spirit in you is perfect. And you can draw on what you have deposited in there, and that can change around body and brain, but your perfect spirit in you is either strong or weak compared to how much you've let it enlarge, all right? And so you have to to enlarge your heart so you can reach a capacity that you can receive from God in every area of your life. And the first, like Pastor was saying Sunday morning, He's like, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. Understand this, that the seed planted is always going to do something. Just water it. Just water it. Amen? Don't let it just stay there without water. If you'll just water it, it will grow. It won't be maybe a full corn ear of corn in one week. But if you'll just receive the seed and guard it, it will grow and it will start to enlarge your heart. I want you to see yourself with a capacity so big in your heart that you can receive and see anything that God has for you. Amen. All right, so let's go to um, let's go to Luke 6:35 through 38. Now don't go there yet, Osel, just go to Luke 6:38. We always, always read this, and we always quote it. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. The capacity, capacity that you have to receive something, is the capacity that you had to give it. So you're incre- the more you increase in sowing, enlarges your capacity for receiving because that's how God set it up. But what we're not understanding, and that is a principle that's good for anything. We use it for money, but let's go back to verse 35, and let's see what Jesus was talking about specifically there. Let me say this. Whatever measure you use, here's the way the the Living Bible says it. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. The small amounts that you give means small capacity to receive. So your heart is only stopping at that point. The larger amounts that you give in certain areas we're going to discuss tonight, the larger the capacity is for you to receive. Amen? And so it says, our capacity determines our blessing flow. If we can increase our capacity to hold bigger amounts, we can increase our blessing flow. But the sowing of that has to increase for your capacity to hold it all is to increase. Amen? And so if you'll go to Luke 635, um, we'll, we'll go there now. And I didn't really tell you where to go there. What translation? Doesn't matter. Love your enemies. This is what Jesus was talking about. Love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For God is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not. That, don't, don't be critical of people all the time. We, we, all, we all done it. I had to repent the other day. I was talking to my husband about a minister's wife. I'm like, I don't know if that woman's ever going to change. That's not my business. That's, right. That's between her and the Lord. You know, what I need to do is just continue to pray and bless her. Amen. You know, I don't see the change happening right now. It's very evident that I don't think that she's changing. But, you know, that's still none of my business. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put will that forgiveness or that love be put back into your bosom? He's talking about forgiveness and love. If you look at the word G-I-V-E is in the word forgive. You're giving a pass. You're not saying that it was okay, but what you're doing is you're giving a pass. That's what forgiveness is. You're saying, I'm releasing you of the debt. You deserve worse. You deserve this. You deserve that. We all know about what people deserve, okay? What we're saying is we're, we're, we're releasing you of that damnation and of deservement. And that's between you and the Lord, amen? So that is what Luke 638 was talking about. It's like if you're going to be critical and judge people all the time and not be merciful, people are going to just de- bring that back on you. And that's the capacity in which you will receive. Lack of mercy, lack of love, lack of kindness. If you're constantly condemning, constantly criticizing, constantly blah, 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 I don't like this, I don't like that, it's gonna come back like that into your bosom. But if you forgive and be kind and tender-hearted and be merciful and try to see these people the way that they can become, even we know that some will not become that way, be kind. Because I want kindness to come back to me when I need it. Amen? And so do you. So that is a great verse. I know that it was connected with love my whole life. But I love the fact that here it says our capacity determines our blessing flow. If we can increase our capacity, we can increase our blessing flow. Let, Let me just say this. I love what Pastor says. He says, if you can't see what you can't see, you'll never see it. What, where do you get your scene? Where do you get your picture? Where do you get the painting? The Word of God. You're not going to get it from your mental faculties. It's not in your brain. You can be innovative. You can be inventive. You know, you have giftings and things like that in you. But when, when the rubber meets the road, that thing that everybody, that God-sized void that everybody needs, you need God's pictures inside of you. You need him to tell you who you are so that when you walk out here, you're not believing what every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Jane is telling you who you are. The Bible says you'll have what you say, not what other people say about you. In this case, words cannot hurt you because you'll have what you say sticks and stones break my bones and words will never hurt me. We know words are more damaging than sticks and stones. We know that they can be hurtful. However, in this case, the Bible says in Mark 11:23, 23, you'll have what you say about yourself. You'll have what God says about you. If you'll just be strong and courageous to say what God says about you, it says you'll have what you say. The Lord said this to me when I was going through adrenal fatigue and I was bedfast for almost three months. I couldn't walk. Or I'd be dizzy and pass out almost. Thank God I never passed out. Maybe I did pass out, and I don't realize it. But <laughs> it was awful, you know, just getting up and not being able to walk. But the Lord woke me up one morning, and he said this to me. According to Mark 11:23. it's at the end, but I'm going to say it right now. He woke me up, and he said it this way. You say whatever it is that you want to be, and it will be. That's how he woke me up. Actually, it was words floating over my head. So that's kind of weird because you're laying, you're looking at the, the wall, but yet I can see words floating this way over my head on this wall. It's a very strange sensation, but it's very cool. God is 3D. God is whatever he is. He's just really cool. But he said to me in these words floating over my head, he said, say whatever it is that you want to be and it will be. And so today, that, so I sat up and said, today I will not be dizzy. Today I will not have the severity of headaches that I had yesterday. Today I will not struggle with all these things that I was struggling with. I had a great day that day. Now, I needed to keep that up every day because I was in a battle. But I never forgot, and I wrote that down. When God gives you something, write it down so you can always go back and read that rhema word that he gave to you so you'll never forget it amen so say whatever it is that you want to be and it will be now we had a young man say to us years ago don't try to figure out who it is he's not here anymore he said I believe I receive that's my wife that's the desire of my heart I said you cannot believe you receive that person he said why not because she's married okay You have to, of course, say things that are in line with the word of God. I said, you cannot believe God for something, even he wants you to have a good wife, but you can't have that one. You got that? Well, she loves me and she loves me more than she loves that other guy. And I said, well, maybe she should have thought about that four kids ago, but she's not yours. You leave them alone. Well, he didn't, and they all ran off, you know. (laughs) So, you know, people don't always do what you say because the flesh is strong. Amen. So we, But we want to make sure that our capacity in the Spirit is growing. And so I know that God wants me to enlarge my heart in certain things. So how about generosity and love? That's what we're talking about. Bearing with one another's faults. Think about Luke 6.38. Bearing, the Bible says, bear with one another's faults. There's a lot of faults in this room. I'm not talking about blatant sin. I'm just talking about faults, things that get on your nerves, things that probably aren't good, things that you should be doing differently. Your husband knows that and your wife know it. We're not going to talk about it, right? And the American people know it. However, it says, bearing... The Bible says, put up with one another's faults. If you put up with the faults in other people, guess what's coming back to you? Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. People will put up with your faults. Amen. 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 Don't you want them to do that and not be so harsh with you 24-7? Then stop giving that. Stop giving it. Even though we want these things to change just bear with it and let god help you figure out how to live <laughs> in that situation praise the lord and then it says giving love god so loved the world he god so loved the world he god so loved me he gave the greatest gift of all jesus there is a generosity and that's what we're talking this we're talking about expanding our hearts capacity expand that freezer right expand the freezer so it can hold more ice cream so it can hold more goods amen the more you you will never expand or enlarge your heart apart from acting on the word of God and being obedient to the word of God you will never expand it until you actually put the word to work Looking at the Word, reading the Word, finding out what God says about you, and then being obedient to it really takes your heart and stretches it miles and miles bigger. And so now you have the opportunity to receive all this, God, the rewards of obedience to the Lord. Amen? So then if you go to, let's go to um, Proverbs 22, 4. 22, 4. Are you there? By humility, good job, and the fear of the Lord are what? Riches, honor, and life. We're going to talk about money just for a little minute here. By humility and the fear of the Lord, what are you doing? You're sowing to your spirit when you're being humble and you have the fear of the Lord running your life. You are sowing to the spirit. Those who sow to the spirit will reap the things of the spirit. Those who sow to the flesh will reap corruption. You will reap after it's kind. If you're always nagging each other, nagging is what's coming back to you. It doesn't change anything. It just comes back into your bosom, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Someone's going to be nagging you. So by humility, that means really just be quiet sometimes. Just be quiet. If you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything. Just say, praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen? I mean, there's nothing, there's no one more worthy of any honor than God. And just at that moment, you just say, well, praise the Lord. By humility and fearing the Lord or reverencing the Lord, what is the capacity that gets stretched in your heart? What's coming back to you? Riches? honor, and life. Oh, I thought it was by hard, hard work and listening to all these rich gurus. No, it says first by humility and the fear of the Lord come riches, honor, and then life. Amen. So your house can be filled with riches, honor, and life just by being humble and by fearing God. Do you believe that? Come on, go to Psalm 112. Are you fast, Osel, or am I going to have to turn in my Bible? Which is really not a sin. I should turn to my own Bible. Psalm 112, I go to this. I love it. Praise the Lord. Is he did he beat me? Yeah. Blessed is the man. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed is the man. Come on, right there. You can say I'm blessed. How how do you how do you know you're blessed? Because I fear God. Because what does that mean? I reverence his word. If he says don't do it, I'm not going to do it. Why? What are you doing? You're sowing to your spirit. And what are you doing? You're putting your trust in God that he's going to take care of me. I can't do that. That's hard. That's impossible. He said don't do it. He's not a mean God. He's not going to leave you orphaned or homeless or hopeless. If he said don't do it, don't do it. Was Medea say? Don't do it. <laughs> All right. But something came up in my head about Medea. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Go down to seven. He will not be afraid of what? Evil tidings. His heart is steadfast trusting in the Lord. His heart is calm. It's established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Now, this is the way that we enlarge our heart. We look at that verse and say, I'm blessed if I fear the Lord. I'm blessed if I keep His commandments. All of a sudden, my heart just went like the Grinch. That that heart just kept larger. Amen. More the more love thoughts he had, the more kindness his little heart got bigger and bigger and bigger until it got bigger than his body almost. And so that's how God's word works with you. Is that the more that you accept and embrace what He's saying to you, your heart begins to expand, expand, and now you've got the capacity to receive the blessing that comes on the tail end of your embracing his love, his commands, his will, his ways, and his word. Amen? That's called heart enlargement, heart expansion, increasing your capacity to receive. And so I love this. God showed me this a while back when I gave a large offering. To me, it was large. I won't tell you how much it was, but it was everything that was in my savings account. And I was believing for something that I was going to buy. And I didn't have quite the money I needed. I needed probably at that time another another $500, $800. So what I had in there, I was like, well, this is a good half down payment. So I had about $800, $750. So I just told you what I had. And so I I was just in a meeting and I gave it all away. I gave it to missions. And I got home and, you know, Mark Hankins says is that when you're still thinking about that three weeks lady, you know that you you were being generous. You're like, what was I thinking? I mean, at least I was halfway there. Come on. And you just give it all away like nobody's business. I don't know if I'm ever going to see that thing I really wanted. but But, you know, all those thoughts hit your head. And... I, I was struggling with, well, Friday is coming. I know that. But I would like Friday to be today because we're like three weeks into this thing. But actually, I was struggling with it within the first week of me giving it away. I'm like you really didn't have to give that much money that, that, you know, there was plenty that came in, you know, all these thoughts, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so finally, the way I expanded and increased my heart is first I got the devil off me. Yes. And I said, let me tell you something. If I never receive back that 30-fold, at least 30-fold is 30 times would look good to me. That's 800 times 30. I mean, 800 times 3 is 2,400. So now that's 24,000. I mean, that's, that's the low part. Okay, that's the low part. Some 30, 60. I mean, the, the low part was really looking good yeah. to me. And so I was like, okay, let me tell you something. If I never receive even the zero or the five or the one-fold, or the any fold, I am glad that I was able to reach the gospel Amen. overseas Amen. for people to hear the word and get those books yeah. and to get saved and to get born again and learn who they are in Christ and know what the blood does for them and help them in their everyday life. If I never get a return, I am happy to have sowed it in the kingdom of God because it's going to Follow me to heaven, and I'm probably going to have some rubies or something on my mansion. But, you know, I had to talk, <laughs> I had to, talk to myself that way because I was really bemoaning my offering that I just gave away. And so then the Lord, every once in a while, the Lord flips open my Bible to something, and he just has me start reading it. I love the way he does it. I don't try to do it, but it just happens. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, just flipped open in my Bible Never read this in my life. Don't even read 1 Corinthians very much. And it says this. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Now, here's the verse that popped off the page when I was sitting in my chair thinking about all the money I had sowed. Foolish one, <laughs> he's calling me foolish. Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive until it dies until it dies so when you put that seed in the ground what does it do first it dies first and then the rain comes and it begins to German, I don't know how it happens. I don't have to know how it happens, but the seed does die once you put it in the ground, and then it becomes alive again. He says, don't you know that what you sow has to die first before it can come back to life? And so just that verse hit me in the face, and he said, let that thought of that $750 die at your hand right now. Put that seed in the ground and bury it. And don't ever think about it again. And that's, he showed me a picture of me. It was a picture he painted for me of me taking that money and putting it in the dirt like a seed and covering. He says, it must die from your hand and from your thought life until I can bring it back to life. So just that verse was just incredible. All of a sudden, I felt my heart expanding. Amen. He says, what you sow, you do not No, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. All he's saying is there, if you sow a little seed, it's not coming back as a little seed. It says you don't know how it happens, but God gives it the body of another thing. He says, you're not going to know how I'm going to get this miracle to you, but once you put that money in the ground, it may not come back the way you thought, but it's going to come back in the body that God pleases. This is what you're believing him for. It's going to come back in X product that I was believing God for. And so when I read that, I got so happy. I threw that money in my soul in the ground, but God gives it a body. Verse 38, as he pleases and to each seed, its own body. So then if you go down to 44, it is sown, now he's talking about man. It is sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. That's what's going to happen to us. There's a natural body, and then it's not going to be the same body that was sown. Now it's going to be raised a spiritual body. So he sowed it, a natural body, but then when, once it dies, he's going to raise it a spiritual body. The, the one that gets raised is always better than the first one that got sown. Amen? So that was what he spoke to me that day. He said, let that thing die at your hand right now. And he was talking about my thought life. Stop bemoaning the money you just sowed. And so when I did that, that's how he helped me. Verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the man of the dust, that's Jesus or Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Amen. So we're born the image of the man of the dust, which is Adam, but we're not going to be raised. We're not going to bear the image of the heavenly man. So whatever you sow, let it die from your hand. The minute you put that tithe in the offering, the minute you put that extra giving in the, in the offering, uh, let me tell you this. If you're not tithing at least 10% of your income like he asked you to in Malachi, You you can't really believe God for the blessings of God. For him to pour out and open up the windows of heaven, he said he'll pour out on you. He said, bring the tithes. He didn't say, bring your confession. I'm blessed to the storehouse. He didn't say, bring your confession. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's 10% in case you don't know what the word tithe is. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse that may be meat in my house and prove me now. This is where the proving ground comes Proving out here what says the Lord, if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing, you don't even have room to receive it. Amen. He's talking about the ties right there. Yeah. That's Malachi 3:8, in case you didn't know. And so 3-6 through 8. So w- what he's wanting you to know is that you're gonna sow it one way, but you're gonna reap it another way. Right. So the minute I release that. My heart expanded, and I let it go and I thanked God for taking care of that thing that I needed it was it was a guitar it was that guitar Amen. and so um i uh i had I had walked into a a music store, and that was uh, fifteen hundred dollars, so like I had eight hundred seven fifty I had half of it um so i didn't think about it anymore and it was about a a week from the time I'd given that God gave me, 1 Corinthians 15. Never read that verse in my life. Ne- never cared really what that, but he's like, let me show you what this means. Let that thing die from your hand. Don't ever think about it. Don't ever talk about it again. And just thank me for, you know, being faithful to my word. Amen. And so I did that, and within two days, Friday came. It's really according to your faith. Yeah, it it's really according to your faith, but sometimes you need God to show you and give you revelation. Right, and so when you're opening your heart to Him, He will expand your heart. But you've got to take the time to sit with Him and go, Lord, you've got to help me with this. And so two days, and it it, it was wonderful. I walked in this church, and someone said, Hey, I'm I'm cleaning a house for a woman, and her husband's in jail, and she's he's got all these guitars he left up in his room, and da 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 da. And um, you can I told her can can my pastor's wife go and get what she wants, and she said she can come and get whatever she wants. So I thought I was going to find my guitar there, but I walked up into that room, I walked into that room, and I didn't find my guitar, but I found two really cool guitars that I knew I could sell and get money for. Yeah. And so I grabbed those two guitars, and I sold them within, within 30 days, and I got $1,000. Okay, so I had given 750 now I've got 1000 but when I walked back in the, the, the guitar store, this guitar had only been two weeks old. A man had bought it brand new. It's the one I wanted that was on the rack. He had bought it, returned it. He had it for a week or two weeks, decided, and bought a case that was $150 or $200, and just returned it and decided he wanted something else. And so the manager said, I can't really sell it to you for $1,500. I have to sell it to you less. I said, how about $1,000? He's like, Sold. So I bought that brand-new 1,500, basically, brand-new guitar with a case, amen, for $1,000. That's how God got my miracle to me. Amen. Now, I'm, st- I'm still, you know, $23,500 short, you know, from my 30-fold. But I am thanking God <laughs> for the faithfulness to his word, amen. So let me tell you what, when God shows you something, don't let it go. That verse is written in pink and yellow all over my body, uh, my Bible. Amen. Yeah, my body. <laughs> so when I look in the mirror, I can see 1 Corinthians 15 written across my head. Sow the seed. Amen. So let's go to Proverbs 17 verse 9 in the NLT. I love the way the NLT says this. Nope, that's not the NLT, but that's a good he who covers. There we go. Love prospers when what? A fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. And I'll just add to that. Dwelling on a fault separates close friends and family. But love, there's that word, prospers when a fault is, there's that word give, G-I-V-E, when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. That's a way for you to expand your heart. Let, let it go. Let, let it go. They, they may have that fault to the day they die. Are you going to be mad at them the rest of their life? No. It's just not worth it. Yeah. It's just not worth it. Yeah. They may laugh funny blow their nose funny, (laughs) never put the cap on the toothpaste ever again, put the toilet paper backwards. Who knows? It's not really a fault. It's just a thing, you know? It's just different. And so we're talking about, God's talking about a true fault, a true fault. And he said, love will prosper. Not only will it prosper for their good, it'll prosper for your good because it's coming back to you pressed down, again, shaken together, running over. Will love be given into your bosom? All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. Let's talk a little bit about money. Let's talk a little bit about money. Amen. I am going to probably spend a whole Sunday one day when my husband disappears from this church on vacation like he does sometimes in the fall, and I'm going to preach a whole sermon on Sunday morning on money. But I don't have time tonight. But we're going to do a little bit. Therefore, verse 5, chapter 9, verse 5, Paul said, Therefore, this is Corinthians, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it might be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. This church had had promised him a large gift. But he never went and picked it up. But it's something when you have to remind a church of their promise and say, hey, can you have that ready so that when I get there and I remind you, you're not grudgingly giving it. The Philippian church, which we don't have time to go to, is the only church that supported Paul on a regular basis out of all these churches the rest of them, he suffered, or he had to beg for it. <laughs> Amen? But this, this is in 1 Corinthians. He says, and he's talking to them, but he's talking to you. He says he's encouraging them. But I say to you, he who sows sparingly will have a very sparingly capacity of reception. Right? Your capacity will only be .01 cubic of refrigerator space. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. You know, I used to think years ago, well, that doesn't, that's dumb. That doesn't make sense. You give a lot of money, you get a lot of money. Well, you need to get a lot of money because you just gave a lot of money. You give a little money, you still got the other money left. You just get a little money back. I mean, what's the big deal? What I didn't understand as a kid or as a very young person when I first heard that verse was that we're talking about sowing. We're talking about farming. You don't sow two seeds in the ground and get two ears of corn. You get stalk, a few stalks with five or ten ears of corn. But if you sow 50,000 seeds in the ground, you get trillions of corn where you can feed the whole community in the United States of America. We're talking about multiplication, not I give her a lot of money, she gives me a lot of money, and it's an even trade. We're not talking about an even trade. We're talking about multiplication. Thirty-fold is 30 times what you gave over and above the tithe. Do the math. That's huge if you can just get that to come in. Amen? Praise the Lord. I had to learn that. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of a necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance. For what? Every good work. Not just a few good works. Every good work. What does that mean? uh, The grace abound towards you. Grace abounding toward you means he affords advantages for your success. When you give to his work and to his kingdom, he makes people want to give to you. He makes people want to choose you for the job. He makes people want to like you. He makes people go, I want her instead of them. It says he affords advantages. That's what grace is. It's, it's a benefit of kindness. It's undeserved. It's unearned. But when you give, he makes all grace Amen. abound towards you. And he makes you successful above everyone else. And he gives you the advantage. Amen. Amen? And that's how you need to quote it. it. says, he's affording me advantages for my success Because I'm sowing and I'm being a cheerful giver. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Listen, if you don't think you make enough money to sow, you don't make enough money not to sow. It says that he'll supply seed to the sower. If you don't have the money, then you ask him for the seed to sow. Now, the problem with people is that they sow after they pay their bills. You're supposed to sow on the check the minute you get it. Then you pay your bills with the 90 or the 80 or whatever if you're doing over and above. You don't sow on what you have left over and call that your profit. And asking whether you sow before taxes or after taxes. If you sow before taxes, you don't have to pay tithe on your tax refund. <laughs> i just teasing. You can or you're not. <laughs> because you already gave it and you already paid tithes on it. I'm just, I'm just cutting up with you guys. So it's your choice. <laughs> it's your choice. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, he will supply and, not add, not minus, not subtract, he will multiply the X, the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which now causes thanksgiving through us to God. Amen? So I'm going to not go there right now, but if you can remember the main giving scriptures in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians 9 and 1 Corinthians 9. It is easy. Same book, 1 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9 talks about preachers who live by preaching the gospel. I know none of you have a problem with us preaching and living by the gospel. He said those who preach the gospel full time should live by the gospel. And he takes it very personally when people like us sometimes try to do little side gigs in businesses. If anything gets in the way of us preaching the gospel full time, he gets onto us really, really bad. All right? So he said those, it says don't muzzle the ox. 1 Corinthians 9 says don't muzzle the ox while he's treading out the corn. And it says, Paul said, if I've sown to you spiritual things, is it wrong for me to reap, good job, oscillator, your material things? The answer is no. Why am I preaching this is because you have friends and family that have a problem with you tithing to the fat man of God while he's eating hamburgers and ice cream. And so you need to know where to take them in 1 Corinthians 9. And so... The truth is, is I'm going to go there real quick because there's one more uh, thing just so you can uh, read it to them. If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we haven't used this right. This is Paul speaking. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things, they eat of the things of the temple and those who serve at the altar, they partake of the food of the altar? Even so, the Lord has not suggested, he has what? Commanded Commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Years ago, my husband was like, I got to get another job. We are starving to death. That's just because the situation, all the stars were not lining up. (laughs) And the Lord got onto him and said, no, you're not. He said, I told you to now, you live by the gospel I'm your boss. Don't worry about what's going on. Don't worry about it. He says, I'll get the money to you. And someone in Germany sent us $800. And we were getting ready to take it down to the church. And the Lord said, I went all the way to Germany for that $800. That's for you. Buy some food for the babies and some Christmas presents. Amen. The Lord will get it to you if you just be obedient. But the problem is people want to see it all before they decide to obey. That's not really how God rolls. And so it says here, even so the Lord, verse 14, has commanded those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. It says, verse 18, what is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge. That I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. We cannot make you pay at the door like you do at Walmart and the restaurant. We have to produce and present the gospel for you at no charge. And we have to rely and trust on the Lord that He will speak to your heart. You will bring the tithes into the storehouse. And the, the band of the people that are working at the holy things of the temple will have enough, just like you have enough in your job. Can you imagine if Walmart acted like we did and they just didn't charge? And and you were a Walmart employee and you every day had to stand there in the line while you're running groceries and supplies hoping that somebody would give you something so you could live on it? I want you to think about it. Wherever you're working today, whatever job you're working in, what if you had to do it at no charge? Trusting in the big boss upstairs that somebody, God would talk to somebody's heart That they would feel compelled to give you some sustenance, some money, some food so you could live. This is our job. We cannot charge you even though what we're preaching is worth way more than any service that's ever provided out there. But we do it with joy because we know that we have a God that's faithful. And he doesn't lie. Amen. And so, like Pastor says, we don't live off your giving. We live off of our own. We give personally. We give from the church way off the top. Last year, we gave 23% or something like that. Huge huge amount, huge amount than we ever had given. We cleared 20%. And so, the truth is, is that if we want that principle to work for us, we're going to have to let our heart expand and let our heart grow. And there's things that we need to do around here, and we're believing for lands, and we're believing for buildings, and we're believing for school. We're believing for a lot of things to help do the things that God, we think God wants us to do, but we have to rely on Him to speak to you and people like you to obey the Word of God or we're just not going to get it done. Amen? But God is faithful to his word. And I believe that when you start letting your heart expand and enlarge, then you will open the capacity for you to receive in ways that you've never received before. The problem with most people is, is and it's easy to do, we think that all this, if it says it's in the word, then it's automatic. I read it, it said it, he that sows generously will reap generously. Yeah. So it's a done deal. I'm just sit on my lawyers and my laurels and just be glad. Sit on my lawyers. That would not be good. Sit on my laurels and just be happy. The truth is, is that Paul wrote this verse and it applies to us. He said, I planted, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8. I planted, but who watered? Apollos watered. But God caused the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but who? But God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each one receive his own reward according to his own labor. You speak your faith. You have what you say. Now I don't have time to do this tonight, but if you've never bought this book, it's like a dollar. Hopefully we have some in the bookstore. Every time I bring a book up here, People go, well, that books. they're out of that book, but it's it's by Kenneth E. Hagin, How God Taught Me About Prosperity. If you don't have this book, you need to buy it tonight or Sunday morning. It's $1. And so this book tells you what the Word of God says about your prosperity, what God wants you to have, but it also tells you how to water that Word. It tells you what to do in the between Monday and payday Friday. Payday always comes with God, but it's not always on Friday. My payday for the guitar happened to be on Sunday when a person walked in and said, you can go check out this house and get anything you want up out of that room. But that was from the time of me giving and the time that actually happened was three weeks. So the truth is, is that God wants you to stand firm, and he wants you to thank him for his faithfulness to his word. He wants you to say with your mouth, I have what I say. We confess now over the church we have X amount of tithe-paying families coming into this church obedient to God. We don't put the pressure and force on you. We encourage you. We want you to grow because this works. It works for us. We want it to work for you, Amen. but then we let God give the increase. And so, what we do with our mouth is we open it up, but we can't get lazy. We have X amount of thousand dollars coming in every week. Yeah. We have, and then we reach that, and now we say, now we have X amount of thousands of dollars coming in because we keep giving it away to missionaries. But but God's bringing it all in. Amen. Amen. He is faithful to His word. Every time we give a big thing, we're like, oh, Lord, that was a dent in the checkbook. But then all of a sudden, a little bit down the road, we keep watering it with our words. We say, God is faithful to his word. We thank you. Let me tell you something about thankfulness. Thankfulness, it says Abraham was strengthened in faith, Romans 4, 25, 26. Abraham was strengthened in faith. He kept increasing in faith by doing what? Giving glory to God. A part of thanksgiving increases your capacity to receive. Amen. When you don't know what to do, thank God. I thank you that you're faithful to your word. You said he likes it when you remind him of his word. He's not, he does not have dementia. He does not have Alzheimer's. He has not forget, forgotten his word or forgotten what you've done, but he says, bring my word to me put me in remembrance. He says, what do you know my word? And if he says, you'll have what you say, you'll have what you say. I have said things before in prayer. I'm like, that's never going to happen in my head. And all of a sudden it happened because I let my head get turned off. And I just kept speaking out of my spirit and I kept speaking out of my spirit and I kept saying these things. And all of a sudden, it just materialized. You don't have to know how, you don't have to know where, and you don't have to figure it out. But God, if you'll be faithful and speak what he tells you to speak, you will have what you say. That's the same faith that works for healing, works for finances. That's what God told Brother Haken. He said, you've got it down when healing. You never get sick. You know how to resist the devil, but you've got to do the same way you did for healing. It works the same for finances. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He says the silver and the gold is mine. Why is the silver and the gold his? It's because he said, I made it. It's mine because I made it. But then he said, I gave it to my man, Adam. I did not give it to sinners. I did not give it to the devil. I gave it to my man, Adam, but then he gave it over to the devil. But then I sent my son to redeem him back, to redeem mankind back. Now, you say, he told Brother Hagan, I'm telling you just a little piece of the book. There's much more. I'm telling you a little piece. He said, now you say, because Jesus has brought, bought the price, bought redemption back for you. He's rescued you from that God of this world. Satan is the God of this world. There's no lack of money in New York and Las Vegas. But he says, he says, the devil has his hands on it, but now it's illegal. Yeah. So you say, Satan, you get your hands off my money in the name of Jesus. You release it yes. back to me in Jesus' mighty name because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen. The corrupt politicians and the corrupt lawyers and the corrupt evil people, they are not the ones to be, to be owning all the lakefront property in the world Amen. and the beachfront property and Amen. to have all the nice cars. the Lord said, I didn't make it for them. The world can have a honky-tonk and they can dress it up and they can have lights of the city and the bars and the gambling. But you come in my church and people don't want to dress up the church. Now that doesn't happen here. But people complain. People on the board. Oh, that's too expensive. You can't buy that. Don't buy that. People think you have too much money and they'll stop giving. No, I want this place to look nice. If this place doesn't look nice, the people that really understand giving and really understand how it's supposed to be, they don't want to be here in, in an ugly, uh, ugly space, in an ugly place. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And holes in the roof leaking water. Man. Who wants to do that? Yeah. No, one. no. So God said, you say, Satan, get your hands off my money in Jesus' name, and you claim whatever it is that you need or want. Well, what does that mean? I got three minutes. Pastor took 15 minutes of mine. I got three minutes. You claim. What does the word claim mean? No. Well, yes. To grab hold of something that has already been given to you. You stake claim on a piece of land. You're claiming something. The word claim means to take back something that belongs to you already. You're not trying to get it to belong to you. You stake your claim. It means you've already bought it. Well, you didn't buy it. Jesus bought it bought for it you, for he, right? He's redeemed you from the curse, and poverty was a part of the curse. Sickness was a part of the curse. In Deuteronomy twenty-eight sixty, it says, and every sickness and every disease that we don't even have room to put in this book of the law Is covered under the curse, and then you go to Galatians 3.13, but Jesus Christ has redeemed me. He has rescued me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for us, amen? So the truth is, is that God brought us back. He bought us back. So now you can with confidence look at the devil, but you can't look at the devil and tell him to take his hands off your money. It's yours unless you're a giver. Because God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and you're going to do it through the mighty name of Jesus. But if you have nothing in the investment pot, there ain't no investment coming back. Here's one thing I've noticed in people. When they start investing more and being more generous in certain areas of their life, it helps them be more generous in other areas. But a really tight person that's very tight with their money, money is their God. They can say they're saved all all day long. But Matthew 6, 24 says you are not to serve money. You are to serve God. And if you think about money all the time and you're worried about it all the time, whether you know it or not, you are serving it. It has become a God to you. And so we're going to close it out with reading Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. You can't be okay with Jesus and okay with money. It's either one or the other. I know you didn't want to hear that, but it's the truth. He will hate the one and love the other. You will know how much you love money when you see the offering plate going by with $750 in it. Or a thousand or ten thousand, or whatever is generous to you, whatever puts a dent in your money bag. And when that thing goes by, you're like, Oh, Jesus, you know, like that's when you say, Satan, get thee behind me. That ain't my, I'm not serving that. Let it go. He will take, as, Amen, let it die. Let it die at your hand, the Lord said. Let it die at your hand. Throw that seed in the ground. He will hate the one and love the other. Or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. Do you despise money? Mm, that's good. That's good. Do you despise it at the cost of if I've got to choose one or the other? What I mean by that, the word of God says this, give, bring it to me. That means he's God and the money is not. Keep going. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry. That's the first thing that happens after you give a large amount of money away. (laughs) Because that money God wants to grab you and go, look what you've done to me. My almighty green. Look what you've done. You've just thrown it in the Commode that money talks, it does. money talks, therefore, that's why he said, Therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. I say to you, Don't worry about your life, what you will eat. Now, we're talking about staples your food, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they don't go to work. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, God will feed you if you don't ever give a dime. He will feed you, but that's all you will have is some bread and some milk. I want to have more than bread and milk. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, we're talking about money God here, serving money or serving God. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these lilies. Now, if God, come on, if God so clothes is disposable disposable lilies that are beautiful. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, how many times has he got to say, do not worry? He just got done talking about money. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. In other words, that's their priority. That comes first. God comes way down here somewhere or not at all. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, and this will be our last one for tomorrow. We'll worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Stop worrying about what might happen tomorrow. Just go to bed. Tomorrow. It says sufficient for this day is its own trouble. Yes. And tomorrow's troubles will take care of itself. Yes. But you, you, the Bible says in Proverbs, you staying up all night and in the morning getting up early to eat the bread of Idleness? You say, idleness, that means you're worrying about it in the morning and you're worrying about it at night. Just go to sleep. He says, sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Let tomorrow take care of tomorrow. But the the main thing is he said, I want to be Lord. I want to be God. And when you make a commitment to stand on his word and do what he says, no matter what the cost, your heart will expand. It will get larger and larger and larger and it will have a greater capacity to receive. Things that natural man can't even give you. Opportunities, places to be, places to go, people to know, people to meet. Things that only God can do for you. If you'll let his word expand you and embrace it. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this evening. We thank you for heart expansion. We thank you for heart enlargement. Say this with me. Father, Father I, open wide my heart I open wide my heart to the word of God, to, word of God. To, your will, to your will, to the way you do things. I commit, Heavenly Father, and I embrace what you say. Therefore, I realize that is my faith that will grow and enlarge my heart.